Fourth and final part of our special on the Proceso o Dirty War. This is a quick review on the fall of the Junta and the aftermath with journalist Christy Robinson and historian Lucas Rentero. On this piece, we are also anticipating something that will be featured on season two of BA Cast, Spanish language sections, to make this podcast a fully bilingual one. Dan Carly is the expat. Fernando Farias is the local. BA Cast, the Buenos Aires podcast. So I'm interested at this point, you know, um, how did the dictatorship end? Es una combinación de que las crisis económicas son estructurales en Argentina, ¿no? por lo menos desde la segunda mitad del siglo XX, eh, hay, hay un vaivén en la economía constante, esto también se produce durante, la, durante el gobierno militar, a lo, que ha, a lo que hay que sumar la derrota de Malvinas y un crecimiento muy fuerte también de organizaciones eh, de los derechos humanos y eh, también de la CGT, ¿no? la CGT también comienza a hacer paros y movilizaciones hacia el final del gobierno militar, ¿no? Por lo cual So it was a combination of forces like the cat was out of the bag, everybody knew these guys were killing people and uh, combined with the Malvinas and all these other things, it was just time to go. Bueno, el, 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 la derrota de Malvinas eh, lo que no permite es precisamente que eh, crezca el apoyo no, y eso ya marca el fin. And they, they, it prevented the military from setting the conditions for their transition to democracy as it had happened in Chile, for example. So in here, they basically had to run away. They were the, the same military that were seen as saviors in '76. Seven years later, they were basically kicked. The reasons why the dictatorship fell were already starting in 82 and in 81. Like things were being more known, the the support for for the for the junta that was in power was was falling, and the campaign for the Malvinas. The the Malvinas have been a long-standing chip on Argentina's shoulder, and it was seen to be a good thing to rally the country behind the military by winning the islands back. And I think Galtieri naively thought that. Britain wouldn't react in a very strong way and also somehow thought that the US would side with Argentina due to Reagan being in power and uh, underestimated. Why not? He had been in the US the year before. He was received For and sure. called a, a majestic general. For sure. Well, don't we also have some sort of document that says nobody else from the rest of the world can touch the Americas? I know, what you, I know what you're talking about, but in this case, this was presented as an aggression from Argentina and the US gave priority to their alliance with the British in the NATO. Britain reacted in a very strong way, partially because of the islands as being a strategic outpost and the future potential for oil and everything else. But more than anything, Margaret Thatcher was seen as being not a very strong prime minister in the UK. Mm. But her reaction is a thing that gave her the reputation as being the Iron Lady in the mm. UK. And so Britain... Uh, sent battleships down and took back the islands and it really was a kind of David and Goliath story like in Argentina there of was course. still military conscription and most of the people who were sent to fight on the Malvinas were conscripts they weren't trained officers Britain sent they weren't in any other wars at the time and they sent the best of the best they sent everything down there um, Margaret Thatcher thought thought it would be a wonderful way to get Britain behind her And it worked. And it She was. won the, the next elections and stayed in power herself until 1991. Look at how George W. Bush won the 2004 Completely. election. There's nothing to rally the nation behind you like a war. 
And like so, a war where you can win easily. Yeah. yeah. And so it was handed on a blade. And that, of course, was what the military dictatorship was thinking to itself as well, right? People, people love to have an enemy. I mean, you've read 1984, yeah. right? And when you also include a manipulative media, like here, the, the junta basically owned the media. The media wasn't independent in any way. And well. one of the problems, and this is also related to the end of the dictatorship, one of the problems of not having an independent media is people were told in Argentina that we were winning the war, and all of a sudden we surrendered. 83 elections, Alfonsín takes power. What happens with the military? Um, Alfonsín takes power, inherits a country with an economy in tatters, in a nutshell, particularly as just before the handing over the power, the central bank had taken on a lot of private debt and a lot of the military's own debt as well, which meant the external debt of Argentina at the end of the junta was in the $40 billion or something like that. Wow. Which they And in those days, for a country that was much less populated, a that's a lot of money. Obviously, one of the things that Alfonsín uses as his platform is kind of truth and reconciliation and looking at what actually happened, the human rights abuses, various different things. However, the, the, the military hand over power, but they, they are still very strong. It's something to bear in mind. They, it's not like the Chile case, but it's it's also not that they they went from being all powerful to absolutely nothing. Mm. And Alfonsín had to make lots of concessions to the military, such as not talking about it and not putting them in prison and not well, killing them. There was the Conadet report, which he commissioned, which was uh, an investigation into what had actually happened during the dictatorship. That published a report um, that numbered the disappeared at nearly nine thousand and various things. And as a result of that report, he brought forward the idea of military trials. But there were also uprisings against Alfonsín that came from various military barracks during the first few years of his of his reign. And so he was kind of cornered into making concessions. And there were two laws that came in called the full stop law and also the law of due obedience. Can the, you, do you know the Spanish names for them? Punto final and... Obediencia de vida. The punto final, the full stop law, meant that there was an end point when you could make, like, bring forward claims of trials and compensation and various different things. And the law of due obedience... So there was a statute of limitations placed on these human rights abuses. That's the legal term I was mm. going for and couldn't find. And then the law of due obedience is where he basically said that following an order is not the same as giving an order. Um, so people below a certain rank would not be punished for anything. Even though you were the guy who held the guy's head in the water, you're not liable for it. So it was Alfonsín then Menem. Yeah. And what did Menem do with the... Well, all the people who had Oh, Menem was just like, ah, let's move forward. um, And held accountable. Menem uh, put blanket amnesty down and released people. And because during the human rights trials, there had been people from the guerrilla groups who were also tried Montaneros, and because both sides were being released during the amnesty, although it was kind of 90% the, the junta, 10% the Montaneros, whoever, um, Menem justified it, saying that he was releasing both sides. He also said that he had been held himself, yeah. I believe, and therefore if he could find closure and move on and look forward rather than backwards, it was time for the nation to wow. and various other... Talk about a Tomoshiro. Yeah. Menem, years talking human rights, blanket amnesty, let's all move on. Um, then the economic crisis hit in at the end of 2001, 2002, and in 2003, Kirchner was elected president. Um, and one of his platform policies was 
undoing some of the things that Menem had done and really bringing to trial the people who were the perpetrators of the human rights abuses. And so now there are ongoing um, trials for a lot of the people. They started in June 2006. I mean, I think one of the things that we really shouldn't sign off without mentioning is that there has been a disappearance since the trials started with Jorge Julio Lopez, the one of the, one of the key witnesses in one of the first trials in September 2006. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, um, it was about three months in, and Jorge Julio Lopez, who had been held and tortured during the dictatorship, agreed to stand witness at the trial of the the perpetrator of the torture, who was from the provincial Buenos Aires provincial police. One of Miguel Chicolats. Mm. He stood witness and. The day after the sentencing or the day after the the defendant was found guilty, he was disappeared. Mm. He and remains disappeared to And remains days. disappeared. B.A. cast. B.A. cast. B.A. cast. There's, of course, so much more on this subject that we didn't include. For example, the role of the human rights group Mothers of Plaza de Mayo, who were one of the few to stand up against the junta within Argentina when critical voices were practically inexistent. Check out the cheat sheet for this entire special at BACAT.com with sources, names, links and more content on topics related to this issue. Uh, by the way, we thank everybody who collaborated in this work. Okay, that's it. Hasta la próxima y gracias por escuchar. BACAST The Buenos Aires Podcast.